0: welcome to Good Questions, Real Answers. I'm Kimberly with Lion and Land Ministries and this is Monty Judah. Hello, Monty. Hello. This is our first program of the new year, so happy new year to everyone. Happy new year, Monty. Thank
1: you. Happy new year. And
0: we pray for all of you out there that 2024 brings you and your family blessings and we pray that over our ministry as well. And Monty, we have a smorgasbord of questions today. so we will jump right in all right the first question comes from jill she asks you have spoken about three groups of saints during the tribulation those taken captive those who die by the sword and those who escape where can she find that in the bible
1: actually there's a couple of places that have that but let me show you one in particular it's in revelation chapter 13 and chapter 13, it said verse nine begins at verse nine. It says, If anyone has an ear, let him hear. That's always a, a, a phrase that's to get your attention. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword, he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Oh. So there's two of the destinies described there captivity because you didn't escape and you're taken captive and the other is you decided to use armed revolt or whatever and you took up weapons and so that's the other destiny so what's the other destiny there's another destiny about those who escape and Yeshua talked about that in Matthew 24 but in Joel 2 it very specifically describes that and which in Joel 2 in the last verse verse 32 it says this and it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape and as the Lord has said even among the survivors whom the Lord calls Mm -hmm. so to summarize from those two verses I mean there's other verses that use the same phraseology but to summarize from that it appears there are three destinies One, there's going to be those who see what's going on, and they escape, and they're delivered, and they're called survivors. The second one, the second group, is the one who don't escape. Mm -hmm. They don't know understand what's going on, but they're believers, and they're taken captive. Okay. And then the third one is those who suddenly see what's happening, and they decide that they're going to use weapons to defend themselves, or whatever the case may be. And it says, basically, these are the three destinies of the what become the tribulation saints
0: well wow. I never knew that those scriptures were right there they're in very specific races. yes they really yeah are. They,
1: it, it really explains what's gonna to happen to the saints and there's three major choices by the way it uses the word destiny
0: hmm
1: and so when I said the word choice really I shouldn't have said that a destiny is something that God gives you or somebody gives you you didn't choose that right so there's some people who have this as their destiny and that's what's going to happen.
0: Wow, that's amazing. All right. Question number two comes all the way from South Africa from a young lady named Rianda And she needs some clarification about her understanding with idols. Here's her question. She says, I have crosses, angels, a painting of a cow, wooden fish, little birds, and all these tchotchkes around her house as decorations. I never realized that these may be idols. Do I throw them out? Please help me understand
1: you know, I'm going to give you a real simple answer here. None of that rises to the level of what idolatry is about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Idolatry is a very, very specific sin. It exists in the ancient times that it exists today. Mm-hmm. God uh, speaks in his, for example, in his second commandment. He says that you'll have no other gods before me. You're not permitted to make, make any idols. And really what it is a case of is any of those items sharing, receiving, adoration, and glory that really belongs to God. Because idolatry is when you take what really belongs to God, mm-hmm. the praise and adoration of God, and you give it to something else. Right. And when you do that, God gets offended. He's, he says he's a jealous God. He will not share his glory with anything else or anybody else, whether it be anything that he's already created or anything that a man has made himself or man himself. Mm-hmm. And and that's the issue of the subject of idolatry. The study of that is a much more extensive study to really understand it. Let me go ahead and just add to you that in Jewish thought, and this is traditional Jewish thought, there's different classes of what we call idols. And let me go ahead and throw something else scary here. There's one class called Asherim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Asherim are trees of praise, yes. and those are classified as idols. Now, I won't go any further with that, but um, I'd let, I think the viewers can themselves figure it. But it's a natural tendency. Now, when we go out, say, to a park, mm-hmm. when we go to a setting and you see a big, majestic tree, mm-hmm. when all of a sudden everybody goes, oh, look at this wonderful tree, well, that enthusiasm for that, 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 oh, I'm impressed by the majesty and the forth. That's what the Lord was talking about. Don't do that.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That, 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 that awe that you had, that that belongs to the Lord. Mm. That doesn't belong to that tree. The tree was made by God. Now, if you want to see the tree and say, Oh, look how wonderful a tree God made and give credit to him. Mm -hmm. Wonderful and that's really the, the understanding is whether it be anything created or anything made or anything that you get really fanatical about anytime you put something in front of the lord it's a form of idolatry i see so that that's that's where the commandment So
0: having at. little little trinkets bunnies and, and so trinkets in your house it's it, 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 not a it, problem in
1: the ancients they used to little make stone carvings and wood carvings and they would set them up on a mantle mm-hmm. and they would say that's their god that represents their god god was very much opposed to that sure we have all kinds of artistic things mm-hmm. that we have figurines and so forth if you're bowing down to it
0: then it's a problem uh, you've got a problem <laughs> yeah
1: if you're by name giving calling him a god and saying he has certain powers and capabilities you got a problem yes And you're putting that before the Lord, and the Lord says no. But if you've got a beautiful picture of something and it's scenic and it adds to the decor of your Mm -hmm. room, and so that that, that's not idolatry. That was you just decorating your room.
0: Yes, and I think a lot of people also think that about angels, angel figurines in their home, and well, the same rule applies generally. Almost,
1: however, we know for a fact we're not to worship angels. Angels really are heavenly beings. They really are. And the angels don't want you to worship them. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in Revelation, you know, the angel that that showed John the Revelation, he specifically says, do not bow down to do not worship him, worship God. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a very clear distinction with regard to those Mm -hmm. and but figurines and things that evoke, you know, heavenly thoughts and of God's kingdom. And and so there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Okay, great. Well, Rihanna, we hope that clears that up for you. And I know you actually tuned in something for me, too. So that is a great answer for that question. We have a very interesting question now from Susan. She asks about the synagogue of Satan that's mentioned in Revelation. She says, Who is Messiah referring to when he refers to those who say they are Jews, but they are not and calls them the synagogue of Satan?
1: Well, we're talking about two verse references. One is uh, Revelation 2, 9, Mm -hmm. and the other is Revelation 3, 9. Yes. And those, Revelation 2 and 3, are the seven letters to the churches. This is where the Messiah is giving, if you will, last-minute corrections and instructions and blessings and promises to the believers that it's actually projected into the future, believers who are going to be in the great trip. It's not historical. I mean, I know the names sound historical, like the Church of Ephesus and the Church of Sardis. Mm -hmm. Those are historical places. But the message is in anticipation and preparation for the Great Tribulation. So he simply used those names as placeovers for the seven churches. And there are characteristics of those historical churches that can be taken into account. But two of those particular ones, it's saying this phrase, and to those who say they are Jews and who are not, mm-hmm. because there's some kind of controversy there. And the controversy is that we have some Jewish believers in those two churches, if you will,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's some sort of problem. And the, the, the Messiah is weighing in on that and basically telling you, the reader, not to be concerned about them, that the Lord's going to take care of them. Now, let's put us in the present day sense, this may come as a shock to a lot of you. But, you know, Monty, I'm a Messianic believer, Messianic Jew, Mm -hmm. and there is a greater Messianic movement of which there are many of my Messianic Jewish brethren that are part of it. Mm -hmm. But there are a couple of big organizations of Messianic Jews that don't necessarily adhere to some of the teaching that I and other independent messianics for example they don't adhere to the teaching of the two houses of Israel mm-hmm. they think the two houses are already been combined they don't think that's a future prophecy in Ezekiel they don't understand the final redemption the greater exodus part you know they follow the traditional church eschatology there's going to be a rapture and so forth and they struggle with Jewish identity mm-hmm. they think they're the Jews and everybody else is a like, kind of thing okay well one of the things that we hear in the teaching that came from the Lord and with the Apostles was a Jew is not one who is one outwardly it's one who is inwardly Mm -hmm. because let's take the word now what is Judah what does Jew mean a praiser of God Mm -hmm. if you're Jewish you're supposed to be a praiser of God yes okay full of thanksgiving So, those are things that originate within you. In other words, that's not an outer uh, appearance. Mm -hmm. That's like, well, I got a Yarmulke, so that makes me a Jew. Mm -hmm. No, the scripture says a true Jew, this is what Paul taught Mm -hmm. a true Jew is one who's one inwardly, who's a true praiser of God. Now, you've got Jews and others and non Jews in the same assembly. We're all getting ready to go to the end of the age. And guess what? There's a controversy. And it turns out that some of my Jewish brethren, honest to goodness, I know this is going to come as a shock to you. They don't, they don't treat you as being equal to them. Mm. You're kind of a second-class citizen in the kingdom. Well, there is no such thing as a second-class citizen in the kingdom.
0: Right.
1: You know, the gospel is for all people and all nations and peoples and tribes and tongues. And the fact that I'm Jewish and I think the going rate you know, is a, a buck fifty-seven. Because I'm Jewish and I have a dollar fifty-seven, I can get a cup of coffee at Denny's, <laughs> or I could skip the Jewish part and still get the cup of coffee. Um, there's no value in it. Yeah. There's no value in asserting that you're non-Jew. There's no value in asserting you are Jew. It, it doesn't mean anything, because the gospel went to all of us, and the same should be true in our assemblies. Yes. But in a lot of places, it's not. <laughs> And in fact, this is a well-known controversy. I want, you know, again, it's gonna come as shock to you. I have some messianic Jewish brethren, they don't like me. And they don't like me because I tell non-Jews to learn the Torah and obey the commandments of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, the Torah's just for us. And they've got another teaching mm-hmm. about what the Gentiles are supposed to have. That controversy is described prophetically in that message. That's exactly what we have in these end days. I see. We have some Jews, believing Jews, who go around asserting their Jewishness and putting down other brethren from B'nai Ephraim and other independent messianic brethren. They they literally put them down. They, they hold them in disdain. Mm. And, you know, they're being bigoted. And by the way, I've called them out on them. I've told them they're bigots. That's part of the reason why they don't like me. (laughs) But that's the controversy. Now, the interesting part is that verse, I will make them to come bow down to you to know that I've loved you. That's actually a reference back to Isaiah 49. Mm -hmm. In Isaiah 49, what it's talking about is what God is going to do. Are you ready for this? With the sons of Ephraim.
0: Really.
1: So the controversy is between Jews and Ephraimites by the way Isaiah chapter 11 says part of the final redemption is no longer will Judah vex Ephraim and Ephraim will not vex Judah so even Isaiah 11 describes this controversy Mm -hmm. well one of the things that Revelation 2 and 3 9 is basically telling us as believers don't worry about the messianic Jews that are disagreeing with you and coming at odds with you the Lord will straighten them out and by the way, he says the way he's straightened about, I'm going to make them come bow down to you to know that I have loved you. Yeah. So I say to my B'nai Ephraim brethren, don't worry about my Messianic Jewish brethren and the, the way they treat you and the way they act and the things they say. The day's coming when the final redemption comes. We'll, we'll all be in unity again. Isaiah 11 will be Fulfilled we, we will not vex each other. We will be in unity again.
0: Praise the Lord
1: So it's a description of actually something going on today in the modern messianic moment So
0: where does the term synagogue of Satan come from?
1: Well, the synagogue, synagogue of Satan it's based on the reference of this The, the favorite tactic of the messianic Jews that are erring is they accuse other brethren If you're in an assembly where you're accusing brethren you're in the synagogue of Satan That's what Satan does. He accuses the brethren. So the synagogue of Satan is a place where they accuse the brethren. And by the way, that's what I've had to deal with. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen happen is when they become cantankers, where they start accusing people of false things and accusing. And they're in the synagogue of Satan. They're making accusations.
0: I see. Well, that is a great lesson on that. That clears up a lot for me as well. And I hope for you all watching um, today too. It's a
1: fascinating part of the. Concept. it.
0: It really is. I did, it's, I've it's never understood current, that part of it. It's a current it.
1: thing going on today.
0: It really is. Well, we have a viewer named Elizabeth, and she's new to the Messianic faith, so she's learning Torah, she's learning how to keep the commandments, and all of that. A Christian friend of hers, however, ha- asked her, and here's what the Christian friend said, it, you're following the commandments, what about stoning? Isn't that in the Old Testament too? So shes I think she's trying to challenge her on following right. Torah in the present the, day. The, the,
1: yeah, the argument is, well, you can't do stoning, so therefore you can't keep the commandments. Right. And, and the great argument that's made is, you can't really keep the commandments. Right. So why are you attempting to keep the commandments? And, and, and so forth, why would God ask us to do something we can't possibly do? Right. that That's the kind of the argument and so forth is the commandment is the commandment of stoning still valid today yes however we can't meet the standards and conditions to be able to fulfill the commandment today the same thing is true that we're supposed to be offering certain sacrifices at the temple in jerusalem you know, at certain various times. Is that still a valid commandment? Yes. Mm -hmm. The problem is we can't meet the standards and conditions of the commandment. Therefore, we can't do the commandment. Mm -hmm. The commandments are not just a list of do's and don'ts. The commandments are part of the things that attach you to God. Yes. And the things that you attempt to keep the commandments so that you have a relationship with God, you're responding to the fact that what God has done for you, you're now loving God by keeping his commandments. So the the so-called argument, well, you can't keep all the commandments and so forth, nobody has ever been able to keep all the commandments except one person, and that was Yeshua the Messiah.
0: Amen. Amen. To so that.
1: that's not a valid argument for us or anybody else not to obey the Lord. Right secondly let me step back for the moment let me see if i understand this right you love god you believe in jesus and you're telling another person don't obey the lord you're right do you understand how bizarre that is do you know that god's listening to you say that mm-hmm. do, you, do you understand you're going to have to give an account for having said that the proper answer is yes we obey every commandment of the lord even it, 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 even the little commandments but there's certain commandments it's just not possible for us to do yet right. therefore i can't i can't do it i, I can just tell you right now the, there's certain commandments for women
0: mm-hmm.
1: i've just never been going to be able to keep those
0: that's true <laughs> and there's
1: certain commandments for men that you're never going to be able absolutely. to. absolutely and th- there's different commandments for the different stations of life based on where you're at and location whether you're in the land or not in the land and so forth. but but anybody who has a heart toward God yes. can go through, see the commandments and see what's what's appropriate and valid for us. To do. This is not hard.
0: No.
1: All you have to do is have a heart to love God and you can figure out which commandments are appropriate to keep. Yes. So the whole argument mm-hmm. coming against you because, well, you can't, you know, are you going to stone people, you know, and all that kind of stuff pure nonsense mm-hmm. that's the kind of argument the devil would come up with right but that's not a sane logical argument to be made by any believer
0: right well and i think that's true And i know we have had a lot of people asking similar types of questions you know getting challenged for saying oh i'm following the torah now or i'm trying to keep god's commandments now and friends Christian or not Christian, and any you know friend that they might have will challenge them and say, oh, and why are you doing that? And that's not appropriate for today or it doesn't apply well, to you. What are you today. trying to
1: become Jewish on us or whatever the nonsense they come up with? The, I, I've, I've taught this before. Let me repeat it just mm-hmm. real quickly here. Every commandment has three parts. It has an objective, it has a standard, and it has a condition. There's a certain thing that God has commanded you to do or not do there's a to a certain standard there is involved with it. And under what conditions are you doing it? Now, sometimes God will specify the standards and sometimes he will specify the conditions. But a lot of times he doesn't. He doesn't specify the standards of the condition. He just gives you the commandment. And he's gonna let you figure out what's the appropriate way on how to keep the commandment. Mm-hmm. One of the commandments, for example, on sacrifices is there's a very strong condition that has to be done there has to be an operating Levitical priests there has to be a temple there has to be a dedicated altar and if you don't have those things you have not met the conditions to be able to keep that commandment right. and that's implied in part of the commandment this is not tough it, it's a little bit like I ask you to I want you to jump
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay well do you want me to jump a certain distance you want me to jump a certain height you didn't specify it right so if I just jump a few inches off the floor, if I satisfied, well, I didn't specify any higher. If that's the way you're gonna obey it, okay, you jumped, okay, mm-hmm. you and so forth. But if I were to come in and say, you must jump six feet, and by the way, you can't cross this line like a like a person who would do a broad jump, mm-hmm. and so forth. see, now there's standards and there's conditions.
0: right?
1: And sometimes God gives us those, sometimes he does not. So when part of the study of Torah is to learn His commandments. What are the standards? What are the conditions for obeying them? And you learn how to be wise about obeying the Lord.
0: Very good.
1: And you learn how to play by the rules.
0: Yes. And so she can answer her friend simply by saying, no, we're, that's not part of what this is. I'm following the Lord's direction. I'm following His instruction for life as best as I can.
1: That's right I'm trying to obey with from the heart yes I may not be doing it well but the Lord looks at my heart he doesn't look at the, the end results
0: I think that's the key
1: well the it's other hard. one that I that mm-hmm. the, this is the answer I've have grown accustomed to it. when somebody suggests that to me I'd look them right in the eye and say are you suggesting that I should not obey the Lord
0: that's a good comeback
1: to well that, that's stop and think about what you're doing mm-hmm. is that your testimony right that that that, do you think you're more righteous? You think I've made a mistake based on that statement?
0: Yeah. You know, so that's that. I would hope that that would make the challenger step back and think for a moment. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What am I doing? Yes.
1: Right. And it isn't it fascinating that somebody begins to obey the commandments of the Lord and all of your brethren and your friends and your family, all of a sudden they knew you were a believer and mm-hmm. they they said they were believers and all of a sudden you have a testimony of obeying the lord and this is freaking them out
0: <laughs> right
1: how much were they obeying the lord if, if obeying their parents and having a testimony is freaking them yeah. out like what is going on
0: yeah
1: it reveals
0: it sure does. by the
1: way it's the same thing that happened to the messiah yeah the messiah was walking around a whole very religious people but all of a sudden wait a minute he came to do the will of his father Oh, that's freaking everybody out. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, indeed. Well, we hope that is a good answer for you and gives you some ideas on how to handle those tough questions when they come from people you really care about and you want to help them understand why you are doing what you're doing and choosing to do and obey the commandments of the Lord. All right. Our next question comes from Scott. He is wondering about the sheep and goat judgment mentioned in Matthew. Matthew and how that fits into the timeline of the tribulation period he says please help me understand
1: all right well he's talking in matthew 25 and this is part of the discussion where the messiah had been answering the questions of the disciples what's the sign of the end what comes at the end in which the yeshua had said here's the sign of the end and it's the start of the great tribulation but then he gets through that and he talks about how the messiah is going to come Immediately uh, after the days of the tribulation, they'll see the sign of the Son of Man. And he proceeds to describe a series of judgment. Well, the big one is the day of the Lord judgment. Mm-hmm. But he then kind of speaks into the kingdom that there's going to be another judgment of believers. And the truth matter, this is not a strange concept to us. We all know that even if we make it to the kingdom, we're going to be held to account Yes. As to what we did or didn't do, the, you know, before the Lord in support of His kingdom, and we know that the kingdom is vertical. There's there's going to be those who are great in the kingdom. There's those who are going to be least in the kingdom. We're all going to be glad we made it to the kingdom. Yes. However, we're you know there's going to be some vertical. But when we get to Matthew 25, the Messiah is now making a rather terse statement about the business of those who were shepherds those who were spiritual leaders and we know that spiritual leaders are held to a higher account mm-hmm. and so we know that when we get to the kingdom spiritual leaders are going to be under a little bit more accountability and scrutiny than say your average believer was part of the, the, the flock mm-hmm. and one of the things that he talks about is what's called the separation of the sheep and the goats now, what's the concept here? Why why would he choose that? Well, let me share from real world experience about if you go over to Israel, and you see a flock uh, out there with a with a shepherd tending a flock, how do you tell the difference between a goat and a sheep? Because they're all mangy and dirty and dusty. <laughs> yes. They're all walking around, you know. So, but how do you how do you tell which one's the goat and which one's the mm-hmm. sheep? I can tell you how you do it. You watch, all of a sudden, one of them will go and butt the other one. (laughs) That will be a goat.
0: That will be the goat, The goats will
1: go butt the other ones. And by the way, in the shepherding business, the scrutiny is, did you as a shepherd, did you help gather the sheep, the flock that belonged to the Lord, or did you scatter the flock that belonged to the Lord? The goats have a tendency to scatter the flock. The sheep have a tendency to gather the flock and a part of this great feast of in gathering Mm -hmm. at the end, the in gathering of all the saints. There's some shepherds who are going to disrupt the gathering of the flock in the last days Mm -hmm. and the Messiah is saying they're going to be held to account if they did that and if that's was their activity. So, Matthew 25 is this very fierce thing, and it's a message to shepherds um, of the flock and of the brethren. He said, you need to be real careful. Are you scattering sheep? Are you gathering sheep? Are you acting like a goat? Are you acting like a sheep? Because I'm going to hold you account if you act like a goat.
0: Wow. That's a scary thought. It is. That's a very scary thought.
1: There's some leaders right now, spiritual leaders. Mm -hmm. They're going to be leased in the kingdom.
0: Yes.
1: And that's going to be shocking for a lot of people.
0: Yes. Yes, it will. Well, thank you for that. That is a great clarification on the sheep and goat judgment. Lots of people have questions about that. And so that was really helped us to understand that more clearly. We are just about out of time. I don't know how that went so quickly. But Monty, if you'll pray and then we'll close up for today.
1: Father, thank you for today and the program that we've had on the topics that we have. We ask, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, if you would quicken unto us to give us the proper understanding of all of these things. Make us wise unto our faith. Make us wise in our walk before you. Help us to avoid the profane and, and walk in the holy, to be upright before you and making good and right judgments and decisions before you in accordance with your commandments. Help us, Lord, and encourage us and strengthen us in your ways, we ask in Yeshua's name, amen.
0: Amen. That's all we have time for today. If you would like to have your question answered on the program, please send your question to qa at lionlamb.co, that's lionlamb.co, and we will try to answer your question on air But we'll also try to get back to you by email as well. So please send those questions in. And we hope you'll join us each week as Monty answers your questions and gives clarification and understanding so that you can rightly divide the word and show yourselves approved. So don't forget to like, comment, and share this program. And we'll see you next week.